Check, check, check. Check, check, check. I'm Matt Robinson. I'm No Bissell. And this is Graining In. J. Kill. Play it. I'm in the mood to be slow and careful. My body's ready for a mountain climb. All of a sudden it will all become lovely. The flower that opens in the morning light. Today we are embarking on a first. The, the nice thing about these Zoom pods is they allow us to talk to somebody for the first time ever from, what do they say, across the pond? I think that's what they say. That's yeah. what they say. A few years ago, Ben from Northern Monk came to visit us. What would you call that, Ben? A, a residency in exchange? Yeah, it was like we called it like a little. Yeah, I think we've always called it an exchange, although no one's ever done the return leg of it. But uh, that, is, that is what we <laughs> called it initially. That's what I was when I was trying to think about it last night. I was like, it seemed like an exchange, except there was no exchange part. There was no second leg. Um, not for lack of interest, but I think uh, maybe once we're out of all this bullshit, we can resume that. But but anyway, uh, Ben Hulse, one of our our earliest friends at one of our earliest breweries as a friend mm. um what, what do you do at northern monk now man uh so my my job now is uh production manager of our we have we have two brewery sites we have our original one at the old flax store uh where we have the the bar and the refectory in our original brew pub um and i so, and that's, that's managed by a guy called adam and then i am production manager of our I guess our bigger production facility on uh, Sydenham Road, like our second brew site. Awesome. Um, because I'm trying to think of, uh, I would have been about three years since I was uh, last in Leeds to, to see you guys on on that end. And I mean, that's a that's a big job <laughs> in short. That's a big brewery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think uh, especially I think what was it when the when you first came was was that the first Hop City is that when is that when you talked um, about We came for two consecutive Hop Cities I believe in in 17 and 18. Ah, uh, okay. It was the first one in in the summer? Uh they've always been other than this year they've always been at Easter but the the weather can be either the middle of winter or as good as our summer gets at that time of year. Mhm. Yeah, I get, I'm trying to think. We were there in the the um, summer, but I, I I guess as I think about it more, that wasn't for Hop City. That was just uh, go to Leeds and and I guess we brewed. We brewed together. That was what it was. Yeah, I yeah. Was that the one we did like that series of tap takeovers like around the UK? Was that that one? Uh, yes, that's right. And and very much where I got to know yes. you, um, as it's all coming back to me now because. Um, I basically we didn't have a car at the time, so I had to get to from Liverpool to Manchester. So you came and and scooped me up in the Northern Monk van at like seven a.m. Yes. and yeah. we got to know each other over about a two-hour drive, um, two-hour drive east. And and I don't know, I think of that drive. Yeah. I think about that specific drive very fondly, just because it was kind of the first uh, first time since I was there that I had like. I'm sure you don't think about it fondly. I'll put it that way because just endless questions. <laughs> like, what's that? What's that? How do you do that? What do you do that? Um, but, but I got something out of it. Um, 
I, before we get too deep into Northern Monk, I do want to pause and um, just kind of get an update again. We haven't talked to anyone out of the country. Um, so- Absolutely. We were talking about it off air and the surprise to me that the, the degree of lockdown that, that you guys have been under, I was kind of thinking about it the other day, the really curious to talk to somebody from another country because in this kind of time that everything is more connected, I almost feel like with all the political stuff we have going on and everything else, I almost know less about other places than I ever have. So yeah. paint a general picture of what the last year has looked like for COVID in, in England. We, yeah. So we, we are just now getting out of like a, a very strict lockdown. Um, like yeah, during, during which we've not been able to, well, like all, all shops have been closed. Restaurants have been open for like takeaway, del- like just delivery. Uh, but that's it. So no, no pubs have been open. No, like no shops other than like groceries have been open. Um, we've not been able to meet. You've been able to meet like one person outside who lives like close to you for exercise. Uh, but other than that, that's it. Like you have to, you can go out once a day for exercise or for work that you're not able to do at home. Um, so, uh, in terms, in terms of the brewery, we've, we've like, We've, we've been able to function on the production side. A lot of the office staff have been working from home and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of in terms of anything mm-hmm. outside of that socially, it's been uh, nothing for since. Yeah, this is since wow. before Christmas. Um, yeah, they gave us they gave us like three a day off or something at Christmas. It was meant to be a week, and then they changed it to like two days or something like that. Uh, <laughs> like, like a day, a off, day off from lockdown? lockdown yeah. Like a lockdown yeah. vacation? Uh, <laughs> it was meant to be a week and then they decided that was a bad idea and then like two two days before or something, they were like, oh no, you can't do that anymore uh, and made it like just two days or something like that. Um, wow. Has the society been generally accepting of that, understanding of that, or has there been a lot of rebellion? I think there's definitely been like pockets of people not happy about it. I think around Christmas, everyone was just like, uh, I think a lot of people ignored the, the the change of heart that they had about it. Obviously, like allowed people to make plans and had not seen family and stuff for so long, and then yeah. to change it so soon, I think just encouraged people ignoring it um, when they changed their minds on it. It's not really the Christmas spirit to pull that rug <laughs> yeah, no, at that time. I know, yeah, for sure. Definitely would have been better just yeah. to like never, never say you can do it or. I'll just stick to what you're saying. I mean, it sounded right. like a bad idea yeah. to have people traveling all over the country, like spreading it around. Like, I think everyone <laughs> appreciated that it wasn't a good idea. But uh, well, yeah, when, they, when they've been told that they could do it and then to take it away so soon, I think, yeah, no one, no one was too keen for that. As vaccine rolls out, we seem to be certainly entering a phase of reopen and everybody being excited and things starting to fall back in terms of lockdowns and restrictions what kind of phase are you guys in there we yeah so i think we we have like a i don't know what they're calling it uh like a, a roadmap back to like normal life or something in the so there's like several steps along the way to like a being fully reopened by the summer um so now i think mm. just this last just this last weekend over easter was like the first weekend where you've been able to meet up outdoors with people in groups of six um and then from next week i think it's the 12th be like beer gardens are allowed to reopen and like outdoor hospitality um and like other 
like hairdressers and stuff like that are allowed to reopen from next week. And then there's like a few other stages at like different intervals as like as long as as long as it all goes well, we're kind of aiming for like relatively back to normal by summer, I think. Awesome. That's kind of what we're hoping. Uh, you know, the good thing is what <laughs> any semblance of normal really now will be like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like I'm a um, human again. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it seems like pretty, uh, pretty similar timeline, except just a much strict, uh, more strict lockdown. Um, before we leave that, um, area though, just to go back to one of the beginning things you said, you had mentioned, uh, like you have basically like a one activity a day allotment outside of work, like for, oh, you can go outside to exercise once, um, this sounds like I'm making a joke at it and I'm really not, but like, would that be like community reporting? <laughs> like who's, who's, how is that, uh, regulated? Uh, very inconsistently. <laughs> I think, I think it completely depends, like, cause it's not written. It's, there's no specifics in terms of the law, like how far you're able to travel. So like, there's been stories in the news of like, or like one police officer gets it in their mind that someone's traveled too far to go for a walk and they got this massive fine, even though they're like, uh, like following all the rules in terms of like keeping separate, just meeting one other person. But if like, just the, the police officer that was like, where in the story was like, there were these two women went for a, for a walk around the reservoir and the police officer that was like waiting at the reservoir decided they'd driven too far and gave him a massive fine for it. <laughs> oh. It was like a few miles from the house or something. Um, so yeah, like very, on a very random basis, it seems it's been enforced. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Cause how else? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, at, at work then you've pretty much been, um, if you're managing production, you've pretty much been, uh, relatively normal at least in that sense. From, yeah. Um, so we've been able to basically the guidelines are like any work you're not able to do from home you're able to continue to do so in terms of like coming in and brewing uh we're we're allowed to do that we've um so yeah like like personally been like just very very grateful that i've still been able to do that because i think like being on we have this like furlough scheme i don't know if it yours has that you have anything similar where if if your company has to close because of these rules, like you still get, um, uh, I think it's like eighty percent of your pay from the government or something if you're unable to go to work because of the restrictions. So there's um, there's yeah certain certain people I know that have been for like for over a year now have been on this like furlough scheme where they just they just have to be at home. So I've been very very grateful that we've still been able to be going into work. I think I'm sure like anyone. Uh, Absolutely. Wouldn't look forward to a year of just uh, not being able to do anything. As my, I like, yeah. So I feel like I've kind of, I feel like I managed to avoid the the worst of it by being able to go to work and at least having that outlet and still going on. Absolutely. In terms of being being grateful to <laughs> to still have your job and and be able to brew, what is the like the distribution channels for the brewery looked like during this and 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 people coming out and supporting you guys? Uh, yeah. So initially, one of the uh, one of the biggest things we know in the first couple of months are um, 
online sales um, like increased massively. Everyone, everyone, especially in those first couple of months, was like really keen to support like independent businesses and breweries, especially. And like, luckily, we already had the mm. the infrastructure to be able to uh, sell online and distribute that way. I don't know the figures exactly, but I think I think you're talking like hundreds of percent increase in in terms of that channel. And yeah, luckily we were totally. because we had to because we had to close our bars because of the the restrictions. Um, we were able to just um, keep some of those. Uh, well, yeah, a lot of those staff in in work as well. Uh, like moving into the web shop teams to help with packaging and stuff like that. So. As well as being able to use the furlough scheme for some people, we were we were just able to shift everything to small pack and canning, and like yeah, get get some of those staff involved in either packaging on the web shop or on the canning line stuff like that. So yeah, it went from yeah basically to a hundred percent small pack for for most of the time uh, through the can filler. Yeah. The other, the other thing as well is we like we we supply uh, like several uh, grocery chains as well. We we at the start of like right at the start of the first lockdown is when we launched into uh, Tesco, one of the one of the, the biggest supermarkets over here, and that uh, between the between those two things, like for the last year, has been like cancer online and for for groceries, like well more than kept us going. We've like we've increased capacity over over the last year just just through those two channels. Amazing, um, yeah, I can only imagine because. It's, at least it's my understanding that that it, at least outside of of the U.S., it was more common to have online sales for beer already. Um, with which we're here, at least in Maine, it was like I think just you know overtly um illegal. Um, so it just wasn't on anyone's right. mind. Um, so I can only imagine what that rocket ship has looked like for uh. For cans for for you guys have you run into any um actually material shortages yeah there was a there was a scare for a little bit about getting like cans um because i think everyone including like i think some of our can manufacturers do like uh like big soda companies like coca-cola and stuff as well and i think obviously they were shifting a lot more into not that they do kegs before, but they, they seem to want a lot of cans and <laughs> whatever the yeah whatever the manufacturing uh, downstream is of cans. They were there was yeah worried for a time about getting hold of those, but I think I think that's seems to be over now. At least we don't we never actually ran into any uh, not being able to to pack anything because of that. Mm. Yeah, pretty much for same same for us for the most part. There was concerns, but none of them. Uh, came to fruition like in a anything close to a worst case scenario. Yeah. I was talking with Matt a lot earlier, um, just trying to kind of set the stage for the place Northern Monk exists in, which is the the city of Leeds in in Yorkshire. Um, but it's always hard because, especially almost with the UK, because it's so similar yet so different. Um, to America and, you know, certainly American beer culture. So maybe if, if you could, um, for, with Matt having not been there, maybe paint the kind of, the just the context that Northern Monk has, you know, started and grown in. Yeah, or even maybe paint a little bit of the scene because like Noah said, a lot of the people within the company and in this travel for beer and, and you think of 
England and even Yorkshire within that is one of these epicenters of culture for beer and and places you read about and research as you get into it. In terms of having a general lens at all, I've got nothing. And also, now you've not had one but two people butcher the the name of, of where you're from. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it does sound it sounds more like a, a move for, like somewhere from a. Uh, a Lord of the Rings or something with the Are there hobbits out. there? <laughs> Are there any hobbits? That's what I want to know first, and then we'll talk about beer. <laughs> I mean, we we have this we have the hard hitting content. You get. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we have like a, a normal population of shop people, but nothing nothing special. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was about to be a very poignant answer about beer. <laughs> um. I guess um, yeah. In terms in terms of the beer scene, when when Northern Monk got started, we were probably one of the um, one of the earlier breweries in the country to to be making beer that was like really uh, influenced by uh, what was going on in the in the states, especially in America. The sort of like mm. we were probably like a good five or ten years behind like America's sort of like. I don't know if the phrase craft beer revolution is a thing, but when, when that, that sort of like uh, new, new approach sort of started taking hold, we were mm-hmm. like, a, yeah, a good like five or 10 years behind that scene. And we were probably one of the, one of the earlier uh, breweries in the UK to, to sort of like to, to bring that over here. Um, I was just going to say, um, and why it's so interesting to me, you know, your context is, with to exactly the point of what you just said yes very much kind of on the cutting edge of this new wave of beer in england but doing that with within a region that almost like held on the tightest to tradition yeah for sure yeah i think it's um i guess i guess kind of my take would be that there's this there's definitely room. There's, it's just created room for both. It's not necessarily been so much uh, that one is like competing against the other. There's definitely sort of like like two overlapping, but like reasonably distinct scenes for like the more traditional uh, like Cascale and and the the bitters and that sort of thing, and and this more sort of like American influence, at least at least initially American influence, like. Um, yeah, craft beer scene. And you're describing those as two separate camps in the scene right now. Yeah, I would say so. Maybe, like, maybe not everyone would agree, but we we kind of like we're definitely more in the the craft beer scene, and like we might occasionally do like a uh, like a, a bitter or something like that, but it's still going to be like it's still going to be a dry hopped one or something like this. We're not we're not really treading on the toes of people who are like. Uh, predominantly doing cask beer and and bitters and like sticking to the reason the the really traditional methods of doing that. There's uh, definitely mm-hmm. like sort of like two. There's definitely different markets for that. Obviously, like they're not necessarily exclusive, but they're sort of in tandem, side by side, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to hear you say that. Um, because I, I guess I when I've been there, I've gotten certainly the the distinction is clear. Like. I don't think I went any, it was, you were, you would go into a bar or pub and it was truly like one of the other meaning, yeah. okay, this is a, a, an independent craft shop with no 
really did they're just very across the board in kind of the yeah just more modern offerings and then you know a franchised pub with cask only um was just as there was just no overlap um but i i i just feel like i i guess i just assumed there had to be maybe not as much of a I don't know, like a kumbaya ness about it, um, or copacetic-ness or, or whatever, just because usually people that are like, you know, have heels in on tradition, you know, really have their heels in on tradition. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Um, and even here, um, for the, for the granted infrequent amount of camera events that happen, but like Navari ha- has definitely done ones in the past it's even kind of felt a little bit here sometimes like sort of like, you know, you could say certain whatever you'd want about a group like Haral trying to um, preserve Lambic and Goose. But um, I, uh, I wonder just how, how much I'm just kind of creating that narrative or not. I guess that have been, yeah, maybe, Especially, especially at the start, I think now people are a bit more accepting. Like, I don't know, I don't know exactly what it would have been like in the states, but when when people started making hazy beers, there's definitely like a crowd where that's like, oh, that's, that's just bad brewing techniques or something. Like, shouldn't beer shouldn't be hazy? Mm. All this sort of oh, thing. Yeah. I think that, um, I think just with the now we're now we're a good few, like few years into to that like it's not it's not a new thing to people anymore they're just more like just we're more accepting of it um at least at least the the hazy sort of thing and i don't know if um i guess just like more craft breweries up and coming like sort of create their own market where it's not like i don't know if you're not interested you can you can opt out you've got your different pub where you can get your craft beer you don't necessarily have to uh you're not you're not forced into choosing a product that you don't want necessarily. That's I guess that's kind of what I was meaning with the there's there's two different markets. Like there's enough there's enough choice yeah. now that if that mm-hmm. if hazy beer really offends you, then you, you don't have to subject yourself to it. <laughs> uh huh. I remember the at least the first time I visited the brewery, you guys did have um I think it was. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, but it was a beer that that you put on on cask. Yeah, we have um, a landlord from Timothy Taylor's on on cask. Um, no, it was a Northern Monk beer. Oh, was it okay? Um, I it wasn't. I wasn't Faith. Um, I'll look that up as I'm talking to you. Um, yeah. But it was, um, you know, very very much like a new school kind of American pale ale, I guess is what I would call it, but, you know, very much done, um, packaged traditionally. And I just thought that was so cool how it was truly this meeting of the worlds. Cause I, I'm sure it's a grass is always greener thing, but with really every aspect of, um, American culture just being starting as an imitation, like an overt imitation of something else because yeah. it's just such a young place. Um, I guess the brewer in me is jealous of actually having like a tradition and established uh. culture in that. But yeah. that clearly does not seem to be a shared sentiment by pretty much any English craft brewer I've talked to. And not in a negative way, but just kind of you know, very much focused on what's new, what has been. Um, so 
I, I guess I say that uh, I remember Brian saying Cass just kept getting less and less frequent because I think it, I'd assume there was just kind of a gray area of where those would even be, who would be buying them in the first place. Um, is that correct or am I off there? Yeah, I think the, the the percentage the percentage that we put into cask will have been will have been dropping and dropping. Like even like over lockdown, obviously it went completely to zero. Stuff with like a six week shelf life uh, was was never going to make it even through the the first lockdown. But I think yeah, just even <laughs> even before that, the uh, yeah the the trend would be to reduce that a little bit. It was kind of something that we we kept on for we kept doing like really small amounts for sort of like uh, key accounts around leads, like uh, places, places that we can, can trust to look after it a little bit more, or at least that we feel could do that. Cause it is, I mean, obviously like any keg or can you want people to keep it cold, but cask uh, <laughs> is, is a little bit more complicated uh, when it comes to looking after it and making sure it's served yeah, correctly. To say the least. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's just a yeah, just a bunch of extra complications that go along along with it. I I've got a that's like a like we said before a novice to kind of understanding that culture. Never traveled there, understand the significance of it in beer. I have a bigger question, but before I ask that, I know we use the term franchise pub. What what is an, a franchise pub there? I guess there are. Um, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if that's a, a term necessarily I'm familiar with. But I guess like there would be, I kind of I know what you mean. I know what you mean though, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's me that okay. just doesn't know it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's not the right term, but like you know, Sam Smith has like 200 of them or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was. I think um, it's a little bit less common now, but yeah, you would have um, traditionally like breweries would earn yeah their their own pubs and kind of ensure distribution in, in that way. There's still there's still a few uh, that do that like Adnams has a load and uh, uh, who else am I thinking? There's only Colmore. What are they called? Yeah, there's still there's still definitely uh, breweries that work on that model. But then there's also like big like chain pubs as well that would own like hundreds around the country, all that sort of thing, and they end up with uh, tied what's it like taps tied to certain beers and all that sort a of tied, stuff. Yeah. A tied house, I guess. That yeah, is yeah. more the term I... Right, because it, it's not like... It's not like a chain of, like, McDonald's or whatever. It's it, it's more nuanced than that. It's still whatever name of the pub, like the Boar's Head, but... Yeah, it's, for sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, um, um, that's it. that makes sense that that's going away. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of the bigger question and understanding, when, when I think about beer as a novice there's there's england and there's belgium and there's these steep traditions and i remember when you would come two and a half something years ago kind on the way on the way back talking to know about it and catching up it, it seemed like you guys were very interested to learn about new england ipa and american beer and as this conversation unfolds it's kind of interesting to me this it seems like there's a cycl cyclicalness to American beer does not happen and cannot happen without English beer first, all of that tradition. And now we're on another side of the cycle where it seems like a lot of breweries are 
are pulling from what's happening here. So to ask you explicitly, what what were you looking to get out of the trip of traveling to the U.S. and learning about the way beer is being done here? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, the the um, in terms of the first point, like like the mm-hmm. breweries like being inspired by the sort of like. Uh, sort of like new, new wave of stuff that was being done in the States. Like that was, is, is absolutely the case. Yeah. Like I guess it was first, first off would have been like the, the West coast stuff, like you, um, oh, well, like Sierra Nevada or like all these that would have been the, the first, some of the bigger, um, earlier sort of like big names in, a in the, in the States. And then more recently, like, yeah, with the, this like sort of more East coast styles, we were probably, if, if we were 10 years behind on the West coast, we were maybe like two or three years behind on the East coast. Maybe we were starting to, um, yeah. starting to catch up at least there or getting on board with new, <laughs> newer trends at, at that point. Um, in terms, in terms of the, the trips specifically, mm-hmm. we, so it's something that we've, um, uh, had done with like a couple of brewers before me, I think, um, Fraser, uh, who's, who is, uh, Russell's brother, um Fraser went to um uh what are they called they're in, in Berkeley, California. Uh Fieldwork. Fieldwork, yeah, that's the one. Um and Ads went to Cigar City in Tampa. Um and then yeah, I, I came to see you guys. We right. so like all all three of us who had joined the the team at Northern Monk pretty early had had like no prior brewing experience. Like we'd learn we'd learn to brew uh like just at Northern Monk and that was our only experience of, of brewing anywhere. So it was, uh, especially for me, was like a really, a really useful trip to just, just see how other people do things. Uh, partly, I guess, partly in terms of like specifically like how you're making IPAs, but also just even better ways to like keep records of how you cleaned a tank properly. And just like, even just like real, real basic mm. stuff of like, just other 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 practical ways of like how a brewery works and see what just see what experience you can pick up having only seen it done one way um it's like i found it like incredibly useful to come and see like a brewery that's like a i think i I don't know when you guys started exactly sorry but at least in terms of processes and and stuff like that you were a good few years ahead of us it felt like when i came over to see we were uh, we had a Paul Upham and you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we 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 opened in uh, near the end of 2013. But uh, yeah, all kind of what you saw was slightly more recent. But still, every brewery has the you know. I was like super nervous to have someone yeah. come in because to be like, oh, we're gonna be found out as frauds. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of feeling. And then uh, it's just very interesting to hear you you rehash that because um, we're very much the same way in terms of basically if for now there's some exceptions, but none that come from a brewing focused um, place like Paul or Eric. I mean, they were weren't, you know, really brewers per yeah. se um, that really it's like just like everyone learned how how like you derivations of what my brewing philosophy is it's just kind of within that umbrella and just frankly the the vision to see that that could maybe be a problem in and of itself um 
is something a lot a lot of breweries don't kind of have built into their culture for sure. It's more kind of let's keep these walls closed so it still looks <laughs> this turd mountain still looks like um, something else. Um, but for our hand, it was just so so such an awesome experience to have that kind of um, truly like immersive person come mm. in. And it's also sorry to keep going, but the the thing really. It, whenever we've done collaborations with whoever or just even just visiting people's breweries, the things you pick up are are never big, meaty, like brewing tips. Like, all right, here's the thing. You actually like we actually like use, you know, triple the whirlpool hops or like something that tangible. It's always things like you said, like record keeping brand of pump um, just scheduling (laughs) like it's all these nuanced things that are just as if not way more helpful um but it's just funny how they're never really what you expect that you come away from those things with yeah for sure man definitely like like you say with like collaborations like whenever obviously not for the last year but whenever uh other brewers used to come for us for collaborations like we have like a, all people want to talk about is that we've got like a pegboard where we hang up all our fittings and like spare parts and stuff like that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's all everyone wants to, where did you get that from? That's, that's all they want to know about. <laughs> it's so funny you say that. Cause I wasn't even thinking, but when we, when I brewed, so I was, and you know, like a collaboration brew is I'm basically just following the brewer around at being annoying. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not like, yeah, I fired that thing off that day. But um, we did a beer both on the full larger production system of the in the building you're managing now, as well as the original um, 10 beer or I think 10 hat kit. Um, uh, I think, yeah, ten, we, yeah, we use hectoliters for everything else except that. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but the things I came away with were just how the thing was set up. Like, wait a second, like this kettle has a center drain port. The kettle also has a manway, like a side manway, because yeah. you're dumping all hops. free whole leaf hops in. It was just awesome in that way. Um, and sure, it was we talked about beer, you learn of course you learn things, but those were my my big takeaways is like, oh, there's a different way to like a brew house can exist. Yeah, for sure, man. And, uh, and now we have a a very a very new shiny brew house at the new site, which uh, hopefully we we'll get to brew on some point soon again. In terms of the new brew house, I mean our uh, the browcon we just had installed. Yeah, I want to talk about. I want to get into that browcon um, in a little bit, though. Um, yeah, yeah, no, no um, to skip ahead. Just <laughs> just on the uh, the the last thing, kind of on that trip. Just like I say, like beer's one thing, but culture in general. Mm, like, what mm. were some of your takeaways? Like I, like I say, America and um, the UK are in broad strokes similar. You know, they're both Western English speaking countries, yeah. and um, America's just kind of a derivative of England, really. If you, if you're <laughs> totally uh, truly, but um, the uh, yeah, what were just some of your takeaways about the the cultural differences and whether it be beer or otherwise that stuck with you? I would, I would say there's, I, I mean, I, one of the bigger things I noticed is definitely the difference in sort of like, uh, the, the customer for beer, um, by the way, 
I don't, yeah, I don't know how people necessarily feel about line culture, but that's that's much less of a thing over here. No one's no one's queuing up outside the brewery for uh, for the for the new release or that sort of thing. It's much more um, uh, like goes through distribution. I got the sense in the states that distribution was yeah. something you did if you like weren't good enough to sort of sell uh, <laughs> like on on your own. Um, COVID certainly changed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Necessity is the, uh, I don't know what phrase I was going for, but they Mother of all inventions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, uh, it's the mother of something. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll at least change your opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was a big thing. Obviously, like we, so we distribute like all, all across the UK, around Europe, and then some like even further internationally, like we send beer quite often to uh like china or japan certain parts of asia australia new zealand occasionally um like quite mm, i think i saw a number of like 23 countries could that be true sounds sounds plausible and i jordan I think, baby and i think uh the the thing that it only really made sense to me when i was kind of there actually seeing it is it's you just forget the proximity factor like it seems so wild to hear that but if you're connected to virtually almost connected to all these you know you're a small channel away from being connected to the, to <laughs> all of Europe and you know they just even when you talk to people like oh what did you do this weekend it's like you know went to Romania because you can get these super cheap plane tickets and it's it's just different um and amazingly so so i think that um is an important part of the context i think to that wider footprint for sure and then yeah for sure we used we did used to be a lot better connected but um we we decided against that recently elaborate oh they're just uh brexit brexit i knew it was oh, coming right. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. baby. That's, <laughs> yes. we finally have a one on the brexit counter on this podcast <laughs> it's still a soft subject <laughs> I do want to circle back real quick when you talk about culture and and value differences. When you point it specifically at the customer, that makes sense, almost in a way of like, oh, in America, they're willing to stand in line for (laughs) for being honest. But even for two cultures that are relatively close, did you notice any big difference in, in like, the work-life, workplace culture, the setup there, are those relatively similar? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, yeah, I'll try to think of some, some way to elaborate on that, but I think, I think in terms of, um, in terms of like the, the culture of the two breweries in, in terms of like how, how they're managed and how the, the staff, the sort of work ethic stuff. Yeah. Like to me, to me all did seem like pretty, pretty similar wow i i would second that seeing it the other way too it 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 very much just seemed almost like a bizarro version of ourselves (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i think that's why like obviously there's um i guess like it's weird to say that the, the breweries are good friends but like within each brewery like there's a lot of sort of like uh like i think uh good friendships between the two teams and i think that is probably, yeah, just a, a, I guess, kind of an example of like how the how the similar, uh, mm. I, yeah, like the similar similar sort of ethos between the the two groups of people or whatever. We obviously make like 
well, I guess I think when it comes to the the beer philosophy and the brewing philosophy, like we we differ a little there. But in terms of the the people and the the work ethic and and all that sort of stuff, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of similarity there. When you say you differ there, you differ how? In terms of in terms of the beer stuff, I prob- yeah. probably the the impression I got of, of um, well, probably one of the big differences that that we do is like we probably brew like I don't it's like fifty to well maybe even seventy five to a hundred like new recipes a year or something like that like new beers every year. I don't necess- I get the sense that that Bissell is a little bit more like um uh like doing you have like you have your core range and you'll do like a few specials or stuff like that but you're all a a little bit more focused on just like perfecting this core range that we do we're like we do these we do these beers and we do them well and we're all about improving those whereas we we have that as well like we have a core range of beers but we're also doing the every month we've got like four five six new beers or something that we'll be putting out at the same time yeah, um, especially when you were, were – we've definitely, I think, just by necessity of of just changing, you know, in the changing industry, I guess, at large, maybe certainly even an itch internally, um, and also that was really um, kicked into high gear with, with COVID yeah. when everything's getting canned. You, there really is kind of a different um, – you kind of have to pull out different cards to try to get people to pick your can over yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, any other it. can. But I uh, honestly, I just want to say with how good your core brands are, like faith, like faith is just so fucking good. Um, Heathen's just so fucking good. Um, and if, if, it's one of the most impressing things to me is the, the, that bread and butter for you guys is so solid, but, you can still kind of find the 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 juice and drive mm-hmm. to to want to want to. I mean, I get tired hearing you say about a hundred new beers <laughs> a year, and I know that I'm increasingly in the minority on that. And there's certainly nothing philosophically um, or ethically, morally, like I have at all against that. <laughs> um, it just literally like that sounds like a lot. Brutal. That sounds that sounds tiring. That's literally that. That's it's laziness, is what it is. <laughs> um, but uh, I think this is also a good time to point out, um, or just to talk about the name Northern Monk. Mm. I would have to assume that there's there's probably less and less and less so as the years go on but um a presumption by someone that's never heard of you that you guys brew belgian beers and that's really not the case at all yeah no i think uh i think as a it's the kind of thing that um like brewers would be really interested in trying to get sales on in there every now and again but there's something that the sales team <laughs> uh constantly resist <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i think it's it's as much because um like one of our earlier sort of um like taglines or little mottos um which we still use is but was like the evolution of tradition um so i think that the name kind of um yeah like ties into that a little bit as well i think um this probably would have been a a good time when you asked about the, (laughs) the traditional beers and the overlap and stuff like that um but yeah, I think it, I think it has more to do with the sort of like 
um, t- like taking historical, not even taking the historical beers, but like acknowledging that we that we are part of a long history, but then also looking to to build on that and progress forward from that as well in terms of like modern interpretations of of beer styles and at, at the time like looking forward, looking looking at what was going on in in the states and like bringing that. Uh, bringing that back to the to the UK, but like, but still acknowledging the, the like the long tradition that that we are part of in terms of brewing. Absolutely, and just to, with what, how you said that, to, I just remembered going back very very quickly to uh, the traditional beer conversation. Eternal was the beer that I uh, couldn't couldn't remember the name of um, that uh, was on okay, put yeah. on cast yeah. that I would just drink as long as literally eternally as long as i was there um but that's good to hear that it doesn't i i i just kind of always had the presumption that like and maybe that speaks more to uh the general the general um you know sharpness of your average customer but i just assume that everyone came in and was like you guys are you guys do that's belgian beer right <laughs> that's where i can go to get a golden strong ale right there <laughs> <laughs> so i'm very glad to hear that is not a, a nuisance but into that hundred beer or or you know the your variety from the, I, I guess the the difference maybe again between like the the UK and the American customer a little bit is like the, I feel like you you sort of average UK beer drinker is not not that interested in sort of like Belgian styles or if they are I think the the proximity to Belgium and to Europe for those traditional styles means you can you can likely get better uh, versions of that yeah. from from the originals that. That have, that have been doing that a long yeah. time and where and where like uh tradition and those methods like like do make a really big difference to the the, the quality of those of those beers and yeah all that sort of thing the, yeah partly a bit of a lack uh less of an in, or it's maybe like a more niche interest plus like you can get the real deal uh just as just just as easily it's probably way better yeah, that's an interesting point because I certainly one of the first things that jumped out to me on my first trip was that like everywhere had everywhere that was a uh, not not a tide bar had like a pretty large lambic selection yeah. um in bottles. So I was just for extremely well priced and in in the states not only is it rare to find but it's probably it, 50% more I if I had to pick a number on average at what I was um at sort of the what seemed to be the price standard um there so again going back to that proximity thing and and how that really does build into um oh yeah footprint but that makes a lot of sense because I also noticed at bars very very few UK breweries that were focused on on mixed firm beers Burning Sky was one that I I remember. Um, is is in general just sort of muted interest on 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 that in that world and in Leeds in the UK. I think it's a, like a, a more recent. I think as we were saying, like the the our style of brewery in the UK is like is a good few years behind like where that's where that's at in the states. Like there are people. Uh, breweries of like a similar that kind of came up around us. We got like uh, Cloudwater and Daya 
and ourselves yeah. are, are like are now starting to get into now starting to we haven't released any from from ours yet but um Deo and Cloudwater in the last couple of years have, have started to release some of their like early mixed fermentation stuff so I think I think it's like once once breweries get to a point where they're established enough um then they maybe have a little bit spare capacity or spare investment to put into like a more long-term sour project. We're maybe, we're maybe just at the start of, um, yeah, like breweries that were like kind of, we, we grew up alongside like getting to that point now where there's um, stuff coming out of like mixed firm stuff. And to be clear, when you talk about yourself, you kind of breeze right through it. Do I understand correctly? You said that you, you guys have brewed, some mixed firm and haven't released it yet uh yeah 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 so the first the sort of i guess the the stuff we've had longest in barrels is is probably coming up to eight, 18 months or so now and huh. we yeah so we were looking to we we recently um so we, we basically had that the where we store all those barrels is like in the back of our um warehouse where there's just finished goods like away from any of the away from any of the clean beers um so we've recently just bought some new uh tank tanks mm-hmm. that we're waiting on for for packaging and fruiting of those beers so we'll be uh once once we get those packaging tanks in a couple of months we'll be the first uh the earliest sort of brews from that will be ready for uh blending and packaging and then we'll see i guess we'll just we'll just keep all of the balls until we feel that they're in terms of conditioning, they're they're ready to go. But yeah, soon, like soon, we should be uh, mo- like moving towards packaging and releasing some of that stuff. Awesome. How much uh, as pr- you know, production manager? Obviously, you're responsible for some of it. But how how much of a role have you had in that element of of things? Uh, yeah, that I've I've kind of I've I've looked after that project. Um, yeah, pretty pretty nothing's nothing's like a, a one a one-man band but i've that's kind of been my 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 thing to, to look after a little bit so yeah like a, yeah a lot of i've had a lot of involvement in 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 where that goes when you came up to milo and it's funny we joke about it before just how fast that time moves and and remembering that that was two and a half years yeah. ago Ridiculous. when when i trace that timeline back that means that i was in kind of the tail end of my first year here at the brewery and i remember mix firm and spontaneous in general as this very formative thing for me and i, and I immediately kind of fell into a, a romanticism about it um having been around at that time and and now having beer that's 18 months old and that was about 28 months ago did you get that kind of same bite that same bug what what's drawing you towards wanting to head that up uh yeah for sure it's something it's something that in like for for a good few years we had been talking about like i guess, I guess a little bit more vaguely like something that we'd want to do in the future um but mm-hmm. after after the yeah the, the trip and the time i spent with you guys like seeing seeing what you guys are doing in milo uh seeing like going down Allagash as well is obviously like i'm sure everyone's got their their story of being inspired oh, by yeah. going on a trip around Allagash. um yeah i mean that was in terms of like moving it from oh it's something that we'd like to do in the future to being uh i think it's like seeing it done on a 
on the on the scale at the time that you guys were doing it obviously like Noah was traveling back and forward like spending as much time as as you I guess you as you could away from like the main production site kind of kind of put it in my head that it was something mm-hmm. that, that we could at the very least get started sort of in the in the background of regular production and stuff like that as long as we had a space that we could keep it safely away from regular production it wasn't going to be like a, a risk or anything like that um so and yeah like seeing like yeah there's a couple of t- couple of trips that, that we that we did up to milo while i was while i was over on that trip uh, yeah definitely made it seem like yeah like like we could start to make it a bit more of a, a reality as well as well after um i think i think it was just after i did i did the, the trip out to you guys we we took the whole team to belgium for cantillon's open brew day so we had the i basically had the yeah the, the trip up to Mila. the obviously we did the tour around alagash went to, went to cantillon like a month after a month or so after that as well i, I went to copenhagen and was able to spend like a, an afternoon with um erin who runs mckellar blackhaven over there their mix firm um place so like all within a couple of months i had a bit of exposure to like a bunch of different ways of doing it and sizes and scales and was like yeah kind of just made it got it to the front of my mind that it was something that we could at least make a start on on a yeah, even if it was just on a small scale, just get some stuff going and start to, yeah, get it going in the background, start learning some stuff about what we might eventually want to scale up at some point and all, all that sort of stuff. Hell yeah. That's that's awesome. That is that is a whirlwind tour of, uh, of places. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was uh, the Cantillon Brew Day like? I know that they do that. Uh, that seems so amazing, but I've never been able to work the timing right. It was really good, Jack. It was very... Um, for I'm like I, I think of myself as an introvert in the sense that like people use it a lot of ways but like it costs you energy to be like around people it was like <laughs> it was it was super busy um but we had like a we had like a real good tour guide so it was it was great to just ask them like questions and, and like some specifics about what they do and see I think like you were saying, might like start to demystify it a little bit, like start to understand processes mm. and, and how it works and, and, and all that sort of stuff. We also spent the day before, which I, as, as an experience, I preferred a little bit because it was quieter, but we went to um, uh, Three Fontaine as well the day before and like spent the afternoon in, in their tap room. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was another one. And like speaking oh. to some of their staff there as well about how they do stuff was like, yeah, it was another sort of, in, informative trip around around that same time as well yeah if you if you have a big life decision to figure out go to fucking dre fontanane's tap room and just sit there and think about it this is something about that like old school layout and certainly the brewery itself inside that just so like i don't know that is just like perfect yeah. to me yeah i looked um, at that yeah um how how large was your crew that you were kind of leading around um at that point there was probably five or six of us that went on that trip Mm -hmm. it's uh so funny to hear you say about uh your description of being introverted because you know (laughs) that's pretty much my definition (laughs) that's pretty much my main source (laughs) of energy loss (laughs) 
that's uh I I totally feel you there. You at least at least the the goose makes it a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was good. Yeah, and obviously like the the beers and the uh, as also like as well as it being busy, there was just like just a lot to take in. And obviously, I had in mind by this point, yeah. like, oh, maybe we could actually start to do this. Like, I was I was kind of using it as a as a just just trying to like soak up as much as possible as well to to take back and see what we might be able to. Uh, learn in terms of like what we could like maybe replicate i mean if we get anywhere close to replicating anything that can on do that'll be amazing but even just like little bits of learnings like how to clean barrels or yeah whatever it is yeah and i you know even since you were up here we've def- i'm sure we've progressed more than it feels like we have in real time but in the same time i i think the best thing for me to come to grips with was that the only way to get over this is going to be time. There's not enough books in the world or people you can talk to, to like, all right, I know it. Uh, let's, I'm prepared and we'll do (laughs) it. Like you're just every day you don't just kind of get it, get the ball, just kind of rolling just a little bit, um, is, uh, is just time lost a lot of the time i find yeah for sure man yeah the the learning curve obviously on this stuff is is so slow <laughs> the sooner you make a start probably yeah <laughs> get the ball rolling yeah i mean we've you were uh i was so so happy you were able to see a cool ship knockout that's what i was gonna night. ask i was i was trying to remember yeah he was up for a cool yeah, ship yeah. night oh. but to that point, yeah. still haven't even considered packaging any spontaneous uh, <laughs> beer from up here. You know, it's just been varying degrees of not what it should be. <laughs> um, and you know, I'm I'm extra critical of that. I I'm this I not putting your best foot forward on that first beer. I feel like yeah, yeah, tough. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sorry. Just to clarify, we haven't we haven't been doing any like um, <laughs> like cool ship or like truly like nothing like spontaneous so far. Yeah, we've we've just been going like true um, spontaneous. Yeah, like sourcing different lab cultures and doing yeah different different mixes of stuff. See, like seeing what yeah works individually, what works together. Yeah, all that, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, spontaneous is. I figured we. Had, if we get a few good releases of uh, with the, with the lab cultures out of us, then I can I can argue for a cool ship and some more expansion in that project. But we've got some. Uh, there it is. Yeah, well, we've got we've got we've got plenty uh, volume of of stuff to to make sure it's good first before we expand any further into what feels like a, another uh, unknown. Yeah, when it comes to the spontaneous stuff. Yeah, and you know. I, we've barely gotten better at normal mixed fermentation, you know, control. So that's just that's just a whole other thing. But at least we've packaged some of that beer. But spontaneous still hasn't been touched. Yeah. So I think you're under the right track to not even bother <laughs> yeah. so far. Yeah. That's confident advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, other than a possible cool ship in the future, um, what plans do you guys have for for Northern Monk, especially coming out of this year? Um, so we've, we've just done a round of expansion, obviously with the, the new brew house, we got some new FEs at the same time. Um, and before 
before the this round of FEs were even handed over to us in for use, we'd already placed the order for like the next round of expansion. Oh. So it's yeah, con- constant. Is the, is the yeah real quick on that uh that reminds me i how's using that browcon been i mean that's like anyone that's ever brewed just pie in the sky kind of uh system um what what's that been like in real time it's it's not disappointing man it's not a letdown <laughs> <laughs> well said well said all right well said very polite very very polite as well you know not bragging about it but um that's uh that's awesome to hear and when when did that come online uh you said a few months ago um maybe yeah maybe not quite two months we were we started first brews were like the first week of yeah first week of march so maybe just over a month yeah, the commission the commissioning brewers from Browcom probably left maybe like yeah three to four weeks ago something like that. So still still very recent. Cool. Um, so you say commissioning brewers? Needless to say, I've never owned a nice enough or bought a used a nice enough brew house to have commissioned brewers being part of the the uh, the install. Talk about that. They, they were great. So the first, there's the sort of like two two separate teams that they send over. The first is like the, the installation team who do all the uh, physical bits, like put it all in place, do all the, the piping and connections and, and get it all set up. And then the commissioning team come in and do all of the software and training sort of side of it. Um, the, I guess the initial, the initial install was maybe like a month and then the the yeah so the, and then the commissioning brewers are meant are meant to be like both both COVID and Brexit kind of uh, screwed us a little bit with the commissioning time so it's meant to be like three weeks. We ended up having just over one week with the commissioning brewers, so that was like a really intense like learning curve, like condensed trying to get as much uh, out of them in the short space of time as possible. So yeah, ideally you have a good, you have a good amount of time with them to like learn as much about the software and and how it all works, like work out any kinks in your recipes and stuff like that. um, We just, we just had to do that as as quickly as possible, I guess. And then we were left to it a little bit, but it's been um, no regrets on, on the, like choosing Browcon as the supplier and all that sort of stuff. It's been like a a, a very good experience even like even with the stuff even with the the problems with the delays and condensed condition commissioning and stuff like that it's been yeah not no regrets about choosing them in the end awesome um it's just wild to you know have a pretty manual system um just to to hear a lot of that for one just that the kind of all the kinks are, are um software based which adds up as you say it wasn't really what i was thinking because because i was also like how on earth does training take three weeks like how different can this be oh because it there's the software element that of course there is um but the craziest thing to me was even with all that considered was that one week of intensive training to with guys that already know how to brew just on a different system um would be like feel v- super truncated that's wild to me 
Yeah, it's because obviously, well, uh, maybe maybe not obvious. We we were sort of by by the time because there were like um, a couple of little delays by that point. So at the at the time, um, we didn't really have options in terms of volume. Like we we were now sort of like waiting for this brew house, and we also like we need the volume out of it as well at the same time. So the 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 learn the learning that you're doing is like at the same time as as making sure you um uh still still brewing beer still able to get beer out so the i guess there was like that that added sort of um yeah the delays meant that the overlaps between the the old brew house and the new one just meant that like all right now now we're able to brew now the commissioning guys are out of uh quarantine means we as well as learning it we just we have to get on with some uh making some volume as well at the same time Oh man, yeah. of course. Yeah. Cause in my head, I'm thinking like you're doing water brews or something on it. And, but no, you're in real time making beer and after a lag. Yeah. That's that. That's taken some of my emotional energy out as well. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> uh, thinking about that. And one last thing on that, be honest about this. Cause I don't think they're going to be listening. <laughs> How much do the, do the installers hate the commissioned brewers? <laughs> they seems like there'd be so much resentment to do all this, <laughs> this, this pipe turning and, and fitting and like, you know, literal hard labor. And then to just have a suit come in and to fiddle Let with the computer. Let me show you how to press these buttons. <laughs> <laughs> they to and probably to always complain to be like, "Hey, uh, Jim, just just so you know, you didn't <laughs> the, uh, the knockout line like something about that vow that tri clamp wasn't super tight." I uh, honestly, I honestly didn't get that sense from the uh, from the install guys. The um, okay, I think disappointing. So through, <laughs> there was um, that was one of the things that we we missed by the by the shortened commissioning time was the overlap that you meant to have between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i think with uh between between all the teams we dealt with at Browcon, i think we we got through like the majority of the german stereotypes in terms of personality the uh <laughs> so klaus who, uh one of the guys on the sales team that we dealt with was definitely like the the jolly german and um we had mm. uh mm. andreas was the Good sales role <laughs> yeah andreas who was like the head of the the install team was was the the very much the the efficient the type German. A. yeah there was nothing like no emotional response out of him like what whatsoever <laughs> everything like it became a bit of a, a running joke between us like his, his his answer to everything would be like you'd, you'd sort of do him a favor or something or sort something out with him and be like is that all right and be like sufficient <laughs> he was the he was the very sufficient man. yeah yeah we didn't get anything out of him other than sufficient yes <laughs> but yeah oh man that's that, awesome that, I, I think there, i don't think there was uh too much too much room in his uh in his emotional range for resentment of the the commissioning team gotcha um well that sounds really cool man um and uh i um We've also, this isn't really a topic of discussion, but it's funny to hear you say just about kind of future expansion to um, supply more grocers because that's mm. kind of something we've slowly started to do just with a local kind of, I don't know, upper quarter of the, the United States chain, I would say it was Hannaford. Oh, yeah. um, sure. And it's, um, 
it's funny to think five years ago, I would have like been just repulsed at that idea. But now, and not really that even times have changed, but it's like, why the beers, if the beer is moving fresh, then I don't, why does it matter how it's so what's dirty? I guess I always assumed that it couldn't move fresh at groceries and, and it's been nice to not see that so far. And, um, you guys clearly are having success with it. And to be frank, I think you guys, from what I've seen on this side with us and from what you said, Ben, exact same timeline, um, kind of this as a precursor to making that happen and then looking back like, why did I have so much aversion to this the whole time? How have you guys felt about the move to grocery? It is is something that like uh, does sort of irk people that follow like craft beer i think there's i think there's a, a whether well like rightly in a lot of cases but like people see it as a precursor to a, like a, a brewery like you'd like selling out to so, like to a macro brand or something that that is that is a a pattern that has, has emerged over time um and people also feel quite strongly about um like breweries supporting like other independent businesses like the bottle shops and stuff like that um it is like something like yeah people uh yeah don't necessarily like look too kindly on um but we always we always try and we've always tried to to balance what we're doing in groceries with like um like we, like we were discussing earlier, like all the all the specials that we do, we we commit to a certain amount of them a month, and they they only go in like either our subscription boxes or to like to uh, distribution to bottle shops and all that sort of stuff. So we've kind of as much as the the volume that we increase, the volume that we brew it, the amount that we brew for groceries increased. It's like it's not been at the expense of any any of these. Um, like one-off beers that we that we do all the stuff that does go to these independent retailers so that's like that's how mm-hmm. that's how we've tried to to balance it um it's always been it's always been a goal of the business though to to be like to have good beer very widely available um and and grocery is obviously one of the ways that that we've that we've targeted to do that um it was one of the things that that, that russell one of our owners always appreciated about like traveling to america was that like good beer from independent breweries is just like is is very like widely accessible and easily available mm-hmm. and was was something that you as um like wanted to bring back to the uk and obviously have northern monk be a big part of that as well that's awesome man um because yeah i i i got the impression kind of exactly what you said there was a different different perspective on that because grocery stores just that just it was almost a line in the sand sort of thing but yeah um i think we got a good year ahead of both of us Let, let's hope for that but we gotta yeah. uh we gotta end the show like we always do so we are gonna hit you with the first ever international three bay <laughs> intercontinental intercontinental um did no, anybody go over the three bay with you? Have you listened to any of these? I've listened to a few. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, the. That's what the they vibe. say. <laughs> okay, okay. That's what they say. We'll see. Um, so we're going to give you three things in one bucket, 
and we're going to have you pair those up with three Northern Monk beers. We'll give you the beers. You've got to pick the three from the other bucket. Yeah. So what's up? I think we heard through the grapevine that you're a Liverpool man. And by through the grapevine, I mean we DM'd you on Instagram to make sure you were a Liverpool man. Is that true? <laughs> this is true. Awesome. So we're going to let you pick three Liverpool players anytime, any era, dead or alive, anybody you want Ooh. from Liverpool. And we're going to have you pair them with three of your beers. All right. All right. The, uh, the three beers will be the aforementioned Faith, yep. the hitter, don't mess with Yorkshire. <laughs> the deep the, cut. <laughs> so from the hitter to the bitter. <laughs> oh. And then we'll go Northern Star. That was that was an adjunct porter, correct? Mocha porter. Yeah. Awesome. So we're giving you three nice buckets here to, to spread it out. We've got kind of your flagship like hazy session. Don't mess with Yorkshire bitter, Northern Star Porter. Who gets them and why? I do. I might start with "Don't Mess with Yorkshire." This sounds like you're going to mess with Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, that is what I was doing. I thought of. I was trying to think if anyone was actually from, like James Milner is from is from Leeds. I wasn't gonna. I was gonna go with initially. I was gonna go with Steven Gerrard. Um, is obviously a Liverpool man through and through. Nothing to do with Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. Obviously, but my uh, <laughs> my uh, my reasoning for doing so was like, don't mess with Yorkshire. Is like is Northern Monk roots through and through. Yeah, Stephen Gerrard from a Liverpool point of view, he is he is Liverpool through and through. I also feel like, yeah, don't, don't mess and Stephen Gerrard kind of go go well pretty pretty well together. I feel that Tough totally. Ass. I mean, he, in my eyes anyway, he is Liverpool. Like, he's the face of that of that team. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't fucking mess with him. I know that. <laughs> Sorry, there's a, there's a grocery delivery van outside and Patrick is about to um, have, his, have his feelings known. <laughs> oh, no problem. <laughs> I know the feeling. Is Patrick the pot? Patrick's the dog, yeah. He's not a fan of anyone. I know that struggle. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, is our, do you think we're all set? Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah. no problem at all. So, Steven Gerrard with uh, Don't Mess With Don't mess. Uh, Yorkshire. Love it. Yeah. Fifth, maybe... I got. Maybe I'm going to go with Mo Salah, but from, from last year and the year before season. Because those seasons... The, the year that the year that we won the league there was just like an inevitability to the fact that like even if we're like losing with five minutes to go we're still we're still gonna we're still gonna win this game there's just no doubt no I think Mo Salah yeah more than more than uh, more than anyone else was a big part of that reason so I'm gonna go fifth and Mo Salah uh, another Love great it. answer because <laughs> yeah those those like and you know, not that he's not that he's fucking chopped liver now, but those uh, those those like kind of whatever year that he set the scoring record, um, and yeah. then the next year with with Liverpool like just having one of their best seasons ever was just was just magical shit to watch. Um, I don't think your dog agreed with the answer, but I did. <laughs> so. <laughs> the, the delivery and guys last, got but not least. 
Northern Star. This one, we actually just, we we did like a, an Instagram poll recently and like changed, changed the adjuncts in this beer according to popular demand. So this is now a, oh, it's caramel, chocolate caramel biscuit porter now. Mm-hmm. Well, I stand corrected when I, that makes sense why Matt specifically said adjunct porter then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it did use, to, yeah, you so, yeah, probably when you last had it, it would have been like a, a mocha porter, as you say, with like a coffee and chocolate. But we, yeah, recently uh, took the internet suggestion on what to do with it. So it's now caramel chocolate biscuit. Just by oh, democracy, yeah. I like it. Dangerous, you know, slippery slope, but I it like is, it. Yeah, you don't want to pay too much attention to what people on the internet. <laughs> Remember to remind, just keep everyone reminding who's wearing the pants in this. <laughs> uh, so who who am I going to go for with that one? Maybe, maybe this one. I'll go. Uh, Kenny Douglas, purely because was a great player initially then came back in a different form as a manager ah oh, well done baby yeah because that clearly you're clearly a deeper liverpool fan <laughs> than i am i'm i'm maybe like the last four years pretty you know pretty um a true fan but but I've, <laughs> i haven't i haven't been digging into the archive games and stuff so <laughs> yeah. i had no idea who that was what kind of air are we talking uh, like player in the the seventies and yeah. maybe early eighties, and then manager. He had like a few stints as manager. I think again in like eight, like late eighties, early nineties. Um, he was he was manager at the time of the Hillsborough disaster, and then that's oh. when he, he first quit, and then came back a little bit more recently after that. But yeah, so like around yeah eighties, nineties. Gotcha. Ooh, uh, gotcha. Um. Well, expertly done. Yeah, um, yeah sorry uh, to end on the hills really last time. Truly apologize for the the lack of video. Um, There's a first for us and was shockingly difficult, to be perfectly honest. But making do overseas, no. that is what it is. Yes, it um, is. With old friends. And um, God, I had truly a blast catching up with you, man. Yeah, you too, man. It's good to chat. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for being such a good sport through the lag. Awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, give our regard. We'll have a package coming out your way, but give our regards to um, certainly Russell and Brian and and everyone else. Oh, amazing! Yeah, we'll do, man. Awesome. Um, great, great talking to you, Ben. Um, hope to see you sooner rather than later, man. Yeah, for sure. You too, man. Peace, thanks, brother. Well, I'm in the mood to be slow and careful.